again today, isn't it? Very yeah, hot again. Yeah, it's very yeah. muggy. Thick. Very hot. Well, it's especially muggy. Talking <laughs> to you, mate. Hey, see, you line them up. I'll <laughs> knock them out of the keep park. Keep knocking them out of the park. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to BYOB, Bring Your Own Blockbuster Podcast. I'm here with the muggy man on the mic, Mr. Ben Haynes. I'm not going to, no, it's not going to stick. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm doing you, that's very rude. It's doing you a disservice. If anybody is the muggy one, it is me. I will no, 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 that. don't say that. So, but we're, I know. think we're both going to prove just how muggy we are today, considering the, the amount of football chat that we have sort of in our, in, in our other lives away from this podcast. And now we're about to go proper soppy bollocks. Oh, big time, big time. This is, really this is not excited for that for the lads down the pub, is it? Or, yeah. or, or maybe it is. Maybe, maybe we are... You know, maybe that era of toxic masculinity has gone, you know? Yeah, that's, we're no longer the Gastons. That's true, right? Maybe we're the, I don't know, I'm the Cogsworth probably. But <laughs> yeah, I'm probably Lumiere. Yeah, Lumiere, <laughs> there you go. Casanova. <laughs> we are, oh, we are man, of course, you've seen the title of the, the podcast. I know we always like to do this kind of bit of suspense, but I, th- I figure let's let's throw that one out, I reckon, Ben, because everybody knows we're going to be talking about beauty in the oh, pieces. PB, there we go. Yeah. I said it. I said it. There you right? go. And what? You know, I've said it. Quality. So we are going to be talking about beauty in the beast this week, but for all the people on the audio pod, we, we've got to have our customary waffle, right? right Man, I love it. I love it. I love I'm, it. Honestly, it's so much joy listening to it back. I'd sort of forgotten what we had on the go last week and in the first kind of like 20 minutes of the pod we covered um your go-to kind of dinner with a mate after school what would you what would be a go-to around Mm -hmm. turkey dinosaurs we covered something in the region of kind of going to that i remember going to the cinema um as in like i think you spoke a little bit more about working on premieres and things like that we had something else i'd like to throw that one in don't i yeah. Absolutely. Um, we had something else on the go, but we had loads last week. It was brilliant. I love listening to it back. Bit of slating Bo is afraid as well. Well, I was going to say, have you? You've had a. Uh, we've had a response on 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 that. Um, Ed Nicole two four five six has said, "I was so gassed for it, but the one benefit of films arriving late to the UK is that we've had six week of Amer- six weeks of American reviews telling us in advance." How average it was. Sad times. I haven't had so, anyone... I, it, what's really weird is usually you'll get someone be like, no, you're wrong. Mm. And I haven't had anyone kind of come through with a, like, aggressively like, no, you just don't get it sort of thing. Can, um, can, can, I, can I tell you one thing, though? It's some, this is some, like, first-hand feedback. Or is it still second-hand? I don't know. I don't know how the hands work out Go on. feedback. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Charlotte said to me, like, as she was listening to last week's, she was like, I could tell, right, when Ben was saying all this stuff about it being a three-hour fever dream, about you not really knowing what's going on, that it's this disturbing, horrible, affecting, deeply uncomfortable, miserable film. She was like, I could tell from the way you were responding to him. There's a part of you thinking... I'm quite up for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And, uh, <laughs> and she got me good. absolutely banged to rights. Because You've I, got I really to try like, it. Yeah, when you were going in on it, I was like, sounds like a bit of me though, that. I'm not going to lie. I, but that's so. why I said I, I, I'm desperate for you to watch it and I feel a bit bad. Like, yeah. I feel sort of like weird about that because I'm like, I don't, because I hated it, right? But 
it, it was also so long. And if I've, I mean, if I've got it wrong, you might be like, yeah, what are you talking about? Best three hours I've spent in ages. If <laughs> not, you'll be like, why did you consign me to three hours in a, in a dark room watching that tripe? So it's kind of lose-lose for me if you watch it. Because <laughs> either yeah, I sound I, like a total wally. Uh, I mean, what I, I think what I am going to do is I'm going to try and find it. Um, At home. I'm going to try and find it on like one of the streams. Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it will be on one of the streaming services pretty oh. soon. Most, most things in the cinema go to like their respective streaming platforms. Yeah, pretty, pretty sharpish quick. now, don't they? Which is actually, here's an interesting little debate for us, mate. I don't know if you've seen um, Pixar's latest film, Elemental, has had the worst opening weekend for a Pixar movie of all time. No. And a lot of, well, yeah, and a lot of people feel that that's because movies have been going from, Disney movies in particular, have been going from cinema to Disney Plus in rapid time. Basically, oh, we're talking within wow. weeks. Um, and then so people are saying, when you factor in the cost of taking a family to the cinema, yeah, let's say on average two kids, both wanting popcorn, drinks, ice cream, sweets, whatever, cost of getting there, the parking or the train or bus, or it's an expensive day out, right, for a family. Yeah. Whereas if, if you've already paid your £100 a year or whatever it is for Disney Plus... And why wouldn't you wait a couple of extra weeks? Yeah. You know, it's, um, and that's kind of sad, isn't it? Because I thought in the most part, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I'm yet to kind of, um, for me, I feel like the cinema's got better since the streaming services. There was this huge worry that it was all going to fall apart, yeah. wasn't there? And I yeah. actually feel like the cinema's become quite an experiential thing. I actually yeah. really, really, I look forward to it in a way that I perhaps didn't used to because it felt like there was a bit more of a barrier to it i don't know why yeah. but it felt like basically if you 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 were either going to go to the cinema or you're going to wait for something to come out on dvd and now because of the streaming services it's like oh it's i have the choice i could watch it at home but i would like to go to the cinema you know so it's a little bit more it, it feels a little bit more of a a cognitive thing and an experiential thing. But I was kind of, I was, I, there was a bit of me, there was a huge chat about it at the time, wasn't there, that it might, that it might just be the end of the cinema. Mm. I mean, it's, it, there's, a, there's a very interesting thing as well that I've seen a, a, an argument and I don't actually have a fully formed opinion on it yet. It's one of those things that's kind of mulled around in my head and I can see both sides of the argument and what have you. But I've seen some people raise the idea that you know, during lockdown, the movies that were supposed to be landing in cinemas, some of them just went straight to streaming services, right, when lockdown came. And people became very accustomed to watching things on streamers. Yeah, good point. And now you've seen uh, that quite a few studios will quite triumphantly kind of announce exclusively in theatres now, you know, when mm. they're talking about their yeah, yeah. big blockbuster movie that's coming out exclusively in theatres and they will try and adhere to uh, a, an exclusivity window of at least a few months before it gets onto the streamers um, because they want to preserve the cinema and so on and so forth. Well, a lot of people have spoken about this from basically an accessibility angle. They've said that, not everybody is able to go to the cinema, either if there's, say, COVID concerns. But as we've already spoken about before, subtitles not always been available to people or, say, some cinemas that don't have appropriate, they can't appropriately cater for wheelchair users. 
many, many other reasons, maybe even like economic factors, that we'll see somebody can't make it to the cinema. People have sort of raised this idea, audience members have raised this idea that there is actually also a, a somewhat problematic element to cutting people out from being able to see a movie when everybody else has seen it um, because they can't physically make it to a cinema. And, you know, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's a very difficult one, that, because for me, I completely understand where people are coming from, but then you also have to look at it that the theatre, the cinema still provides a lot of the budget to keep the industry going, right? So Yeah, but the, and I get what I was just thinking as you were saying that there is to to go into a position where it's, it's been something that I've been having a lot of conversations about recently is these kind of like learned behaviours and it now ingrained rewired behaviours that have come about off the back of lockdown yeah. that then can't be un, unlearned, they can't be unwired. Mm. So because you've given people that kind of ability to go and sort of just see whatever they want to see sort of as and when it's kind of almost a little bit cruel to take that away from people that might mm. not have been able to get to cinema before to then yep. suddenly kind of remove that ability and now go into this exclusivity window which is which is interesting because I mean I remember, do you remember it was was it um was it no time to die was going to be like that will save the cinema yeah yeah and and that was the thing and then they delayed they it didn't it they back didn't they yeah well yeah they pushed it back like over a year to make sure that it would be back in the cinema when there was i think a lot less hesitancy and also when there was not going to run the risk of there being another lockdown so did it correct me if i'm wrong did it come out between the two lockdowns or did it come out after the second lockdown so i think i want to say it came out after the second lockdown but I, I was it a summer one? I remember because I remember like we were talking about the Casino Royale pod. I remember going for a walk after it, so so it must have been at least not Baltic. I outside. think it came out after the second lockdown. You know. Yeah, I do. I, mate, I had to take during that during. I had tickets to go and see the fourth Matrix film. Um, okay. Like I'd gone, I'd got tickets to go and see it in IMAX, and I was so excited to go. And then it started. I think it was kind of like after lockdown number seventeen. There was, there was like a, there was another wave, and suddenly everyone was getting the panic about doing things indoors because it would mean they couldn't be around for Christmas or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, uh, so I, I then had to bail on it. Actually, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it was awful. Did you, did, you watch, did you watch that in the end? I, I did, yeah. It was very disappointing. What a it? It shame, was, man. It was just quite sad, wasn't it? Wasn't I, it? I kind of, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it. I think it, it really, it provoked a really like visceral hatred in a lot of people. I didn't, I didn't feel that. There was a part of me that was kind of quite happy to, again, as I've said of, I mean, I've said this, if, if, I don't know if I've said it on here or just in conversations I've had with mates about the new Lord of the Rings series on Amazon. Quite a few people have been very angry about that. I sort of feel the same way about... No, I, I prefer the Lord of the Rings series on TV, to be fair, to the, to the new Matrix, but it evokes a similar feeling in me that I'm quite happy to be back in that world and, you know, kind of experience it again through a slightly different lens. Um... So it, it doesn't, I don't hate it because there's, there's enough there that I feel sort of warm and accustomed to. But I just don't think, personally speaking with the new Matrix at least, I don't, 
really think they tried that hard to really do anything different with it, you know? Yeah. Like it, the, the, the thing with, with the... I feel like a lot of those films can sometimes get into this awkward thing where they... It's kind of, for me, like when you go to see a uh, an old... I went to see Bruce Springsteen on mm. Friday night at Villa Park. Which it feels like every single what, football just, stadium just is now. Yeah, just Friday, just gone. That's sick. And it was, that? it was epic, mate. I loved it, and 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 the, the reason why I loved it, yeah, the bus man. Like the reason why I loved mm. it was because he doesn't mess around. He's like, I know exactly what everyone has turned out to see, and for the last forty-five minutes, it's just absolute banger after banger after banger after banger like you you just the the atmosphere is electric he's working the crowd and then he just starts these songs you know every word and it it is properly moving sort of seeing everyone get very nostalgic and really get stuck into it and i think that sometimes these films that come back after maybe 10 or 15 years or a break there is this feeling that they have to try and redefine what they are or somehow mm. bring and actually sometimes people just want to hear the classics you know i want to see i i just want to see when it comes to a matrix film i want to see neo stop some bullets i want to see some amazing kung fu fights with like lots of whooshing noises maybe some sort of recreation of the the, the lobby scene from from the first matrix film hear him say guns lots of guns see trinity stop time and then kick someone in the face or do you know what i mean there's those, those little but, nostalgic itches you can give but it's people. funny didn't didn't you feel like it was like because that's kind of that's sort of my critic i felt it was like treading too closely to, uh, to the really? first one well because well, I, I kind of looked at it as in like you know there's been a lot of technological advancements since the 90s when the first one came out and it felt like a lot of the tech and a lot of the thinking was firmly rooted in that 90s space i i I thought they were going to maybe do more of a kind of critique on social media or the different platforms you know but they didn't go into any of that and i thought that it just felt really kind of narrow in its vision I, I don't know like that's... maybe we missed something on it we'll have to approach that on another day but yeah. i know i know what you mean like i thought i thought it was i mean it was very narrow even like the way that they set it up but i sort of felt like for some reason all the things that i wanted to feel good about just felt very cheesy and slapsticky mm. you know sort of him having that the the recreated fight in the in the dojo was like yeah uh, this is not the you... same I've got to say as well, I was quite surprised by really how poor the CGI was in it as well. Awful, abysmal. You know know the bit at the end when she boots him in the face and his jaw falls off and you're like, what am I watching here? Like like legit, I really think the the first one from 1999 stood up more than this one. Yeah, big time. This sort of felt a bit clowny, you know? It's kind of strange. Um, So did you... Sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to say... (laughs) (laughs) you go you go you go no no 
And we both, we're just both going to be quiet now, aren't we? What a shambles. What a shambles. You go, you go. It's the heat. It's the heat, all right? I was going to say to you, talking of the cinema, have you been to the cinema this week? No, I haven't. I've been bad this week. Have you been? Uh, going to Bruce Springsteen and all that. Yeah, yeah. caught me out. Passing up on your, your cinema obligations. Um, I have been, mate. Yeah, I have what, been this what, week. What did you get? What have we got? I went to see a film called... Uh, um, sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation to any French speakers that are listening to this. Chevalier, I went to watch this week. Okay. Which is... And I'll read you exactly what the description is from Wikipedia. Chevalier is a 2022 American biographical drama film directed by Stephen Williams and written by Stefani Robinson. It is based on the life of the titular French-Caribbean musician Joseph Bologna, Chevalier de Saint-Georges, played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. So essentially, this is it's a it's a biopic. It's um biopic or biopic? What do you say? Biopic bio, or biopic? I go biopic. Biopic, it probably is biopic. Let's go biopic. Biopic sounds like a something's happened with it's a, going you know, up your a bottom. test or yeah. something, right? So they're um, shoving some sort of camera up there. So it's 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 based on a on a on a true story of Joseph Bologna, who was a he was a composer. He was a he was a mixed race composer around the time of Mozart, um, and he was essentially heralded as a as a virtuoso, incredible musician who you find out kind of at the end um, after his life and everything there was essentially a lot of work done by Napoleon um, to silence a lot of his legacy his history as a you know as a as a as a black person who was one of the sort of most you know preeminent kind of musical forces in in classical France around the time of Marie Antoinette you know he he held court with Marie Antoinette he was personal friends with her um and the story is just about his life and times um the way he was treated in society back then and so on and so forth, and it's it's yeah, it was it was a fascinating film, and it was again, you know, it's, it's it's important to hear such stories be told, and very interesting to to see such stories be told. You know, has it been out for a while? Maybe maybe a couple of weeks. Because I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't really seen it sort of trailered that much. It's a fox. It's a 20th century fox searchlight. So it's it's one of the sort of smaller indie pictures. Um, right. Okay. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a good cast. It's 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 well performed, and, and as with a lot of these kind of period pieces, um, it is a bit of a whistle stop tour of significant dates, significant events. You know, um, you you kind of know what you, you you're getting from them, right? To a degree, that in terms of yeah. like the way the film is paced and the sort of the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows of it. But like I say, the the fact that we are hearing this story um, of a of a black classical composer who performed on stage alongside Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart is fascinating because that's generally not the history that we've been sold for the past however long, right? Um, yeah. So it's, it's good to see these stories come to light and also good to see the, you know, the fact that people, even if it is posthumously and even if it is looking back on them with shame in history, it's revealed about the you know the efforts that were made to silence somebody who didn't quite fit the mould, shall we say, um, of what was deemed acceptable at the time. And also a great film to sort of catch in an like to have something like that with some depth to it, 
at a time when you've got I mean look we, we've said Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was, was amazing but you've got Transformers Little Mermaid Guardians of the Galaxy Fast X Super Mario Bros Boom. yeah Boom. you know Can't you know oh man but, it, but at least it, there's something in there to break it up a little bit yeah yeah mm. um so yeah, it's good. It's fun. There's some like good like relief in there. There's good, you know, as many of these type of films do, pulls at the emotional heartstrings quite a lot. That um, some really you know twisted stuff that happened happened to the guy. Um, so yeah, but it's it, it's it's good. I, I I would yeah I would I would recommend people go and see it. Um, just to hear more about the life and times of Joseph Bologna. You know, it's it's really interesting. Oh mate, I'll give that a go because I'm like I'm I'm sort of I feel like next week I'm going to have one of these weeks where I'm going to have to do a, a double bubble to get my cinema yeah. fi- fix. Been so stung by Bo is Afraid that I kind of actually have given it a bit of a wide berth. But there's quite a few things that I want to catch up on now. Um, we we've been waffling away. Should we get into some film chat? We can do. Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, so we've we've already we've already established that this week's film is going to be Beauty and the Beast. Um, I just wanted to sort of find out, you know, you you you, you <laughs> threw me under yeah. the bus last week and said, "Oh, it's all because of you, right?" Uh, is, is, that, is that the pure reason you chose no, this? Because no. you did I, choose this film. No, I know? can't for a second. That is totally unfair bollocks of me to be like, <laughs> "No, it's just because ah, Jack." Just because yeah, Jack loves it. Jack loves musicals. Yeah. That's why I had to pick it. No, I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally soppy for Disney films. I love them. I love them. And watching this this week um, was a, it was a like it was just wonderful it was so nice and there's so i'm sure there's well i know for a fact there's going to be a million things that we agree on on this just in terms of like that lovely touch point of nostalgia across every single little bit of the beautiful disney stuff that we all all love um but god i don't want to give lots away for for the pod already but this was literally like you know, this is going to show how much I love Disney. You know that bit in um, Mary Poppins where, God, it's not doing much for my image, is it? Um, <laughs> where they no, mate, paint. Come on, like we say, we're just breaking down the walls of toxic masculinity. Just keep that in your head, you know, keep playing that <laughs> Yeah, over. exactly, at all times. Keep playing that over and over. So, you know the bit in Mary Poppins where they draw the. Bert's drawing the paintings, Dick Van Dyke's drawing the paintings on the floor, and they jump into the painting, yeah. and they're just in the world. Like. For me, watching Beauty and the Beast and any one of those Disney films, you know, like Bed we can all, broomsticks and the one, whole right, lot, right, right. yeah. yeah. The, and and I mean that that era of animated ones as well. When you think like Aladdin, oh, Lion King, Lion King yeah. uh, Lady in the Tramp, Hundred One Dalmatians, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Hercules, like, Pocahontas, these, uh, Pocahontas, yeah. you uh, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella. You got all these incredible films that. You turn them on and the moment that you see the Magic Kingdom sort of logo start to pop up and then you get... (laughs) You know, just immediately you're like, oh, well, you sort of sit in your chair and you're like, this is like being five, six years old again. 
and it yeah. was it was just magic I, I, I loved it and so picking that I thought we haven't done a Disney film so far and knowing that you loved this one and that I loved it I thought this is just just too good too perfect I'll, I'll front load mate like unashamedly I'm not just talking animated films I'm not just talking Disney films I say without any hint of irony it's genuinely one of my favourite films of all time like mate, it's it's a masterpiece I'm saying that up front like it's a brilliant film I'm, I like, can't wait to get into it and do you know what <laughs> you're, you're, you've got 60 seconds on the clock to, to spoil it but right. I'm throwing this out there this this film is it's I think it's an hour and twenty one minutes, so this mm. might be the shortest film that we've done so far, and thus hopefully the easiest for you to break down. You ready? Go on then. Three, two, one. So, Beauty and the Beast follows the character Belle, who is a young woman living in a provincial town in France. She longs to escape from this world and does so by reading books about adventures, about sword fights. Um, she, she, she dreams of one day living this kind of fancy for herself, but realises at that time women were expected to get married, find a good man, settle down. She wants more than that for her life. And such as fate would have it, her father, who is the local wacky inventor, goes off to take one of his inventions to a state fair. En route to that, he ends up falling sort of prey to a pack of wolves and stops in a nearby castle. He stops in the castle, it's inhabited by a beast. The beast takes seconds. him prisoner and Belle goes in and says, look, I'll swap myself for him. Bill and the, this repulsive beast end up forming this connection that is once <laughs> as a product of Did them. you just call her Bill? <laughs> Beauty and the Bill. Uh, Basically, they end up, they fall in love, they get it on, he learns yeah, to love, she down. learns to blah, blah, blah. Look, mate, it's too hard. Oh, it's everyone, too, everyone too, knows the film. The, Don't the worry. The problem is, right, when you, when, you know, this is what I find, when you are really into one of the films, right, really into, you can think of just all the little details you're like yeah how can i you, you know like you know when you're writing a brief for something and it's a project you're really passionate about and you're yeah. like i really want to do all this and someone will come along and be like okay for the pitch razor that razor that bit razor this bit and you're like no no but that bit's important for these you reasons you don't understand you yeah, don't understand and they're just like, yeah. no 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 razor that bit oh i need a conclusion um, in the edit, get rid of that bit. No, the bit where you waffle about grassroots football. No, get rid of. No, please stop. Isn't you know? there? A, like, I know we're going slightly off topic here, but I do want to stay on this. There is something absolutely brutal about creating a pitch or an idea, sort of deck or some kind of creative. Right? If someone said, "Look, can you just go away, chuck me like three, four hundred words together, and just tell me in a nutshell what the idea is," and then you go away and you go. I've got it. And you write about 1,200 words and you get really into it and you're like, this is brilliant. This is just exactly what... And I could see it and this will happen next and they'll do this. And then if we wanted to and we wanted to kind of like put a bit more budget behind it, we could do this. And then you give it back to them and they're like, could you just piss all of that off? I just need the top paragraph. Cheers, mate. And you're like, oh, oh my God. You mm. just don't get it. Do you like, just get that kind of wry smile of like, yeah, yeah it's good. Um, we only really need that bit though. You know, then yeah, you're we're just, just kind of like, oh. and actually, we were thinking about maybe just kind of putting some branding all over it, and and then just tearing out the heart of this one. So, cheers, <laughs> thanks very much. Sh shall we, before we go into full existential meltdown, 
Yes. Go back to talking about Beauty and the Beast and also <laughs> focus on the fact <laughs> that, that I called her Bill. <laughs> yeah. I, so good. So I, I'm going to hope that that was just, you know, you mishearing me say, but there's every chance, you know, I have fun. When you this. listen to this back, man, it's going to be so good. We're going to have to, you know, in cricket when they get like snickometer out, we're going to have to get yeah. Purdy's version of that, slow it down. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The, the ultrasonic, isn't it, for the LBW? And they've yeah, got exactly. Little, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, mate, do you know what? A good starting point for this. Um, so, you know, I was just saying about that whole, um, you, you see the Magic Kingdom and then you hear mm. when you wish upon a star kind of playing at, at the start of any Disney film, right? And you just get that lovely, warm kind of nostalgic. It feels like a bit of a hug, doesn't it? It feels like... It feels like the film is hugging you and going, yeah. you, can, you can curl up on the sofa now. I'd forgotten at the beginning of this, you get the other classic Disney thing of the stained glass window style animation. Yeah. That is... Just it, outlining the, uh, the very top of it, right? Yeah. And, and it the way just, the music just... It just yeah, I have to warn you, Can I just, as a pre-warning, spoiler, whatever. I swear to God, if you're about to say that you're not going to sing all the way through this, I was going to say that I am going to be bursting into song at several points throughout this. Part of the that's part of the reason it was chosen. But that that music that you just did the impression of it's so it's so. It is. It's. It's almost like haunting, isn't it? It's kind of. That's well, not even really. It's the sweep of the symbol, isn't it? First, yeah. Before it goes oh, into man. it, and the voiceover. Like, oh my Was it the God. same? Did you watch this on Disney? Did you watch yeah, it on yeah. Disney Plus? Is that the same voiceover it's always been, or have they remastered this? I think they remastered everything in the noughties at some point. Uh, yeah. Okay, because it did look very straight away. It looked very, very crisp and sharp. The colours pop a lot more, don't they? Yeah. Um, but then you, you've got to bear in mind, there's probably a very real thing that we were watching them on old VHSs when we were kids and yeah. wore them out. You know, the magnets on those are probably worn down to whatever. To so, nothing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 difficult to tell, isn't it? But I, I do think it, it, it... Well, I know it was remastered at one point, um, and I, I think... Disney Plus, they're constantly reworking stuff and sort of doing them up, which we've spoken about before with Star Wars. You know, I'm kind of, I'm not really, I don't really like that type of thing, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, we'll definitely get onto, there's a, a big, don't worry, there's a girthy chat to be had on live action Disney um, <laughs> in a bit as well that I've got some very particular thoughts on. I'm not sure whether you'll agree or not, but, um, and also we have to get onto the, the score in a bit as well, because I mean, just so much to, to touch on there. But um, what's it, this, ask, man, was this one of your childhood like staples? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. my f my first film at the cinema, I think, might have been The Lion King. I think okay, that literally yeah. would have been the first film that I ever saw at the cinema, which is, which would have got, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe ninety four, ninety five came just after this. But my auntie and uncle had, I think we've spoken about this before, but my auntie and uncle had the bookshelf of VHSs. Yeah, and they had the entirety of all the Disney's along wow. along the the shelf. And not as kids, we couldn't afford to have because VHS was like twenty quid a pop sort of thing at the yeah, time. Yeah. We couldn't afford to have any of them. But we'd go around to their house, and 
you would literally just sit in front of the TV and put a different one on each week and just get lost in it. It was just amazing. Was this one of your... You know you sort of picked this out as like one of your favourites. Is that because you watched it as a kid or is that just over the course of time you've kind of like aligned with it almost? I think it's, I think it's both, mate. Honestly, I right, think okay. my entry point was sitting down probably every weekend watching it. Do you know what I mean? And then suddenly my younger sister who's five years younger than me, suddenly get into an age where she wants to watch it all the time. So then I'm watching it all the time once again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so on and so forth. And then from the point as you get older, you're kind of like, you go through your sort of awkward teenage years where you're like, no, I don't like all that. Do you know what I mean? And then suddenly when you get to like 16, 17, when you're a bit more sure of yourself, you're kind of like, yeah, who was I kidding? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a... Do you know when it is? So I think it's when you first get a girlfriend... Probably, yeah. And then, the, and then, like you, you go from being like, like lads, 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 to being like, yeah. should we watch a Disney film? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Little, little worms. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Hor- horrible little yeah, dweebs. Grubs, grubs. <laughs> but um, it, like, it's when you. I think it's when you reach that point of acceptance that actually, for all of people's sort of bluster and bravado and stuff, and we're all really soppy at heart, aren't we? Everyone's soft, yeah. really. And you chuck on a film like this, and everyone just melts. I mean, and that's that's sort of part of the the the, the joy of these sort of classic Disney movies, right? They are timeless. They are supposed to be able to hold up and that's what has seen them become one of the biggest sort of entertainment well probably the biggest entertainment franchise ever and i'm sure there's a lot of people screaming at me being like it's also because of them aggressively <laughs> pursuing <laughs> and taking over other companies and buying yeah, up capital yeah. yes i understand that don't get me wrong I, I, i'm still cynical but if you just suspend that side of you a bit and just think about what the p- core principles of the company are based upon, which is this sense of awe, this sense of wonder. These sort of classic Disney movies really do stand the test of time. Like, like nothing else, though, right? Yeah. Like nothing else. Like that. Have you have you been to Disneyland, mate? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I've been to the I went to the one in California when I was a kid, and then I've been to the Paris one several times. And how? When was the last time that you went? I went for we went for our first wedding anniversary in 2019. No way! Oh, yeah, mate, that's yeah, so yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah. Just well, before we were going COVID. to Paris, and then we just yeah, just before COVID, we were in Paris, and then we just sort of thought, "Fuck it, let's do it." You know? Oh my um, gosh, I, that's so okay. So tell me how how was it when you went as fully licensed adults? It's fucking amazing. <laughs> like, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's it's just it's because there's so much attention to detail in everything. Yeah. Talking down yeah. to like the bins, they don't want you to suspend any sense of kind of of well, is it you're suspending a sense of reality, aren't you? So they don't want you to stop doing that. Even with any sort of part of the park you're in, like I say, even down to the bins, everything is themed. The restaurants are themed specifically to where they are. All of it. It's all. Yeah done so well and so lovingly and it's you know it's a total escape from life it's bizarre and i can only imagine you know if you are taking kids there as well the joy of seeing them be completely lost in that world must be amazing you know yeah but (laughs) as a fully grown (laughs) hairy man um i can also say it was it's so true brilliant you know and like you know you said down to the end of detail i remember going 
year, like I was probably about 11 or 12 at the time. And I remember going and um, we were to, went to the one in Florida. We And I don't yeah. think at the time, I don't think I'd been on a plane before age 10 or 11. Yeah. Now I don't think I'd ever flown anywhere. So to go, that was exciting enough as it was. And then to go to Disneyland, you just walk in and like you said, this sort of wonder, like your eyes literally do as a kid, they just ex sort of like just expand to this yeah. kind of, you can't get enough of this visual stimulation into your eyeballs. So you're sort of like taking in absolutely everything. Um, and you, the, the, you're so right on attention to detail as well, because I remember there was a <laughs> slightly larger American gentleman sat down on this kind of rock and yeah. they had a, they had a speaker in this rock and, and there was clearly a guy sitting somewhere with it just able to watch on talking into a microphone and it, like the guy sits down and goes do you mind you're so heavy <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny the guy sort of jumped up jumped out of his skin but i just remember being at the time being like this is like nothing else i've ever seen in my life yeah. like at, at what on and i don't know if you've ever seen saving mr banks I Which haven't is, Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, oh mate, you would love that film so much. Colin Farrell in that as well, and really? Emma Thompson. I mean, you just would love it. It's, it's is it about it, it's, Walt Disney? Yes, to some extent, but it's actually more about um, P.L. Travers and okay. her, her father. Um, but it's it, and Colin Farrell plays her her dad. It's it's such a stunning film, and I I mean I absolutely sobbed at the end of that. It was is so wonderful but it it shows tom hanks as walt disney trying to buy the rights to mary poppins and okay. as without spoiling the film too much because i would genuinely recommend you watch it it's that good and you could chuck it on it on a sunday afternoon and just totally fall in love with it but it does show him trying to sort of woo not her in terms of in a romantic way but trying to woo her in terms of get her to sell the rights to him um by taking her to Disneyland and trying to get her to get lost in the magic That's of cool. it all. Um, and it, I mean, it, 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 he ends up having to find alternative routes to impress her, but seeing him walk towards it and kind of take her into magic kingdom, it was just like, wow, man, the fact that it, the fact that it would have that effect on adults, the fact that adults can go there and just get totally lost. And then I imagine once you have kids as well, seeing your kids that happy must just yeah. be, it must just be the most, gorgeous thing but the, the, to to bring it back to to beauty and the beast i think when you go to disneyland and you see those the the the, the characters that have been created you instantly i can't think of another film franchise where you would have that many characters that just maybe by their silhouette you would know everything about them you know yeah just literally seeing Belle in the ball gown or the the beast in the kind of like... In it's his, so evocative, isn't it? it? It's unbelievable. Takes you right back to being a child and immediately you know that story. So given that, you know, now we are watching this as adults with a, with a critical eye, um, I did want to ask you because I I was particularly struck by, and I have for the past... Because I've watched this... I've, I've watched this every few years. I've watched this a lot of times, this film. And I would say one of the main things, yeah, you were talking about how you've been on this journey with it. How's your opinion changed of it as you've gotten older? I think one of the main things that sort of stuck out for me as I've gotten older is actually kind of seeing 
quite how far ahead of its time it was, this film. That yeah. Bell... Yeah. I mean, it's not, not just me. When I, In my research for this as well, has been like widely regarded as a as a real kind of feminist icon inserted into the middle of like Disney franchises where it was generally about being a princess and finding a, a dashing prince. And yes, there is some criticism to say that that's ultimately what ends up happening anyway, but we'll, we'll kind of move on to those type of conversations. I just wanted to sort of know how you felt about that I guess seeing kind of the way Belle was treated, how she was characterized in this in this film. I I loved it, mate. And I, what was really, I don't know why, but I had this kind of like thing in the back of my mind where I was, I started watching it and and was thinking, oh maybe, I don't know, should I feel in twenty twenty three, should I feel some way about her character? Like, should I feel like maybe she's somehow been perhaps unfairly represented or maybe not kind of maybe we shouldn't be viewing her as like a a really incredible sort of feminist icon at this sort of within this animation you know in the early 90s and then I kind of like after about five ten minutes I was like just, just stop Ben like just stop <laughs> like just relax is it, this is a she's a brilliant character to have in a Disney film at that time to think mm. that the stereotype of the kind of um, the male lead character, I guess that you would say, Oh, he's going to win the day would be the character of Gaston. Right. So yeah. he's the way that he's portrayed or the way that he's displayed, sorry, on screen, he's enormous, muscular, supposedly very handsome, like he's athletic. He's the one that everyone's looking up to. Everyone's singing about him and saying how special he is. And to her, she's more interested in escaping the, the quiet provincial town and doing something special with her life that will be decided by her, not decided by anyone else. She, yeah. The fact that she has her favorite books that she wants to read and is in control of her own life and whatever she's doing. And also the fact that she has a pair, we see her, we never meet, never sort of see her mother. I don't think there's any reference to her, her mum in the film. Not in the animated one, no. No. And, and her father is this creative who she completely adores for his own kind of quirks and who he is she is just the embodiment of a of a really brilliant character and so i kind of i don't know i, I don't know about you but i i just kind of breathed this really nice sort of sigh of relief to be honest where i was just like i'm totally kind of like the, I, I i'm so swept up in the fact that even what is it 32 years on it's mm. still really really powerful and impressive that you have this character that at the time would have been quite like sort of miles ahead really of where cinema probably was at well i think i just think it's interesting to sort of note because i think bell as a as a character you obviously have her as this kind of like you say independent three free thinker <laughs> free thinker <laughs> who doesn't want to kind of live her life on these rails that are set out for her by the society you see in the first song you've got the whole of the townsfolk judging her calling her some sort of a weirdo simply because she reads and so there are these like interest really interesting sort of facets to her to her character 
But really, it, it's, it's a very interesting kind of comment, really, on just society at large, right? And probably the way, well, not probably, definitely the way women have been treated all throughout history as being somehow some kind of a, a wacko or a freak or a harlot for not wanting to just settle down and marry Gaston, the local hunk, and, you know, have him sire sire her four strapping boys like me you know that that type of thing um if actually completely sort of rejects that superficiality is is great and i think it's kind of it's a, it's it should be a learning to not just to like young women but to anybody really watching that type of film that you don't have to live the life that other people say that you should right and a lot of people are going to say or at least judge you for for what you are doing but don't if you have that kind of spirit of adventure or that kind of yearning passion inside of you for something to pursue that and i think bell completely like embodies that and i think it's a real in terms of in the in the disney sort of span of things it's it's quite unique um, especially it may not be now, but I think then it's it's unique because it's not just, oh, I need to find a dashing prince and that will make all my dreams come true and living a big castle. She wants to experience life. She wants to experience joy and on her terms. That's the thing. Um, yeah, there's that. I mean, even just the, the first the first verse of the first song, it, I hadn't really, I hadn't really seen it as her looking down on, on the people that she is around in her village. But just that that first verse, she says, "It's, it's a quiet village every day, like the one before. Little town full of little people. Little people. Little people. Yeah, yeah. and it's sort of like it. she's obviously very sweet and and like in the way that she she's singing, it's very upbeat. But it's actually quite a cutting and 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 quite scathing." critique of the people around her that are just going yeah. through the motions and she sort of goes on to kind of i think when when she goes to get the the book that she's taken out and she sort of says oh it's full of like f- like far away journeys and sword fights and magic and spells and things like that and she's sort of prince in disguise yeah uh-huh. exactly and she just desperate, it? <laughs> she's just desperate for this this change you know and to go and do something that actually is impactful and meaningful and i i yeah i mean straight away it just kind of i i just felt really great about the fact that you've got this character that's going to make a character like gaston look like a total walloper as well you know when he's sort of they really ham that up as well, you know. They really ham it up with the no one fights like Gaston. Like that that whole song is just, it makes him look like a complete buffoon, which is brilliant. It's, it's so fantastic. Um, and she and she is such a juxtaposition, you know. She, she couldn't be any more likable. She couldn't be any more kind of like, yeah, I, I think just sort of seeing the way that, that she is, portrayed and displayed from moment one it's really impactful and really powerful the the gaston song is so like it's such a lampooning of 
like machismo jock culture, right? Yeah. It was so rife, and especially uh, uh, you know, just in America, as we see from you know the, the captain of the football team, you know, gets the cheerleader, and they're the homecoming <laughs> queen, and all all that type of like thing. This was, you know, like you say, the the Gaston song. It really is just a group of men reveling in the most base sensibilities. Look at him; he can punch people. He doesn't need to play chess; he can slap it out of the way because he's big and strong. And I mean, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Than you and the like, chess bit. Oh, I when love it, mate. He literally, he's getting yeah. absolutely sc- a little nerdy dude, like yeah. schooling him. He's got yeah. like two pieces left, and yeah. he just smashes the board away. And you're like, you couldn't be more like, you know, when you when you were in the kid as a playground you would you, you maybe would have like the the bully would be taking the piss out of like a nerdy kid who might like just do the bully over by being quick-witted and sharp and funny and you'd see the, see a bully just go and just kind of like punch a, a nerd in the face or sort of like yeah. get them in a headlock because they're just like they've got nothing you know they've got absolutely yeah. nothing they're like this is like the most beautiful embodiment of that him just slamming the chessboard away with this like tiny little neaky guy just with about maybe only two of his pieces lost it's just oh, amazing so so just, good just i know we are going to sort of I, you know i know we are sort of intending to focus on the songs and the thing but I just feel like as we're going along, we can probably pick into the different yeah, ones. Because man. like since you've been talking about it, all I can think about now is little town, it's a quiet village, you know? And oh, it, so it, just the uh, chaos of it all, mate. Bonjour. 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 <laughs> These eggs, they smell or something. That, you know? that, she's, the, that for me is my favourite. So that is my favourite kind of like character guest sort of guest character interjection where they someone that you will not see for the rest of the film just screams into action and and she i think she just says i need six eggs to feed my family (laughs) to feed my family and just i need six eggs that's too expensive like it's just it like it it is uh, amazing, and I'd, I'd I'd miss the animation here on this one where um, the milkmaid says, "How is your wife?" to the guy that's yeah. ogling. <laughs> <laughs> so good, it's yeah. quite like, and that layering is amazing. But you you would have never picked up on that as a kid. But you can imagine yeah. as a parent going to watch that with a kid, you'd have thought. That is just so magnificent, and I would I tell you the other the other sort of mini interjection that the, the again from a character that you'll never see again is in Aladdin when the, the marketplace and there's just a guy that comes out of nowhere going fresh fish, <laughs> just fantastic. You, you know, just on Aladdin like the other one as well is when Abu like pulls the sword out of the throat of the sword swallower. He's got a sword. And you see him like you see him look at the camera though, and he's got like those little curly eyes, like because he's just had this sword like ripped out of his throat like it kills me every single time i see it man oh man i'm being a bit like this this first song is i think it's genuine because there are some big numbers in this film oh should we just get onto the music let's get onto the music come on let's have it this this is this is one of the underrated bangers and i was so because you sent this to me as a link being like you know what man this this one slaps and i was just unbelievably good it does so it's what a start yeah you know 
The bit when she runs out into the, I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. You know, oh, that's really, like, God, it's so evocative again. That's, like, got, shades, that word, that's got shades of Colours of the Wind from Pocahontas. Yeah, yeah. You know? Very similar like, kind of sweeping, kind of very big, kind of quite dramatic, sudden sort of like a very kind of existential sort of wanderlust style thing to it, which is really cool. Um, and it's just because well, just, it's just after she's had all this chaos in the town, she's had this like pig of a man like following her. You know, you know. Imagine me, the wife of that boorish, horrible. You know, and then suddenly she's just there alone again with her imagination, and the world is open to her. It's there. She can see it. She can staring out into it, and there's no path there. There's nothing there. It's just hers to make of it as she wants, and it, it's. You know, I think I really think I, I might be giving too much to someone, but I think it's really profound. I think it's, you know, it's it's amazing. It's Can brilliant. I just say on this, though, what I, that is. So I, what is that? Maybe five minutes into the film? Mm. Possibly less. I might just get it up, actually, while, while we're here. But it, it, to do that as a way to progress a story... And it to tell so much in the space of a song that's two minutes long. Right. That's, that's like, I can't get across how good Disney films are. Like, it, I can't do a good enough job of explaining just how profound and incredible that is from a storytelling point of view. To get the level of depth in the storytelling whilst being so comedic and it also still being an absolute banger of a song. Like, so that's amazing. But to me, it's like, because you've obviously got the, the the genius of Linda Wolverton having written this and then having worked with, I'm assuming she's worked very closely with Alan Menken, who's written and composed all of the songs and the music for it. How they've just been like, look, this is the story at this point. This is where the script is. And he's like, cool. Okay. Leave Watch it with me. This. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and it's just, it's. <sighs> but that level of story it's progression, <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's so good to think, to think that you could take the story from where it is at the beginning of that song to the end is is really magnificent. And I think that the, the like as we go through, I don't know, actually, in terms of chronological order, what order the songs come in, you've got you've got sort of I think this is that song just called Bonjour. Or is it? Is it called something else? Um, it, it, I think it's yeah, called it's, like. I think it's literally called Bell. I think. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's, it's, and that is that's kind of first up. But then I think it might be, might be straight into the Gaston song, um, and th that one is just again. That's kind of it, it's so Who iconic. Does she think she is. <laughs> <laughs> He's got such a great voice, hasn't it? I, I, but like the, the the amount of laughs during that song, where like no one's neck is as incredibly thick as Gaston, and then he bursts a belt with his neck. I <laughs> use antlers in all of my decorating. <laughs> you know, like. uh, what was the, was there another bit in that? Yeah. Oh, that was it. Where they <clears throat> where they kind of alluded to the fact that he's got a big dong. 
not a bit of it. <laughs> and it's sort of like you notice that he kind of like did I think the it's, man it's, spread it's largely implied isn't it like, yeah, it kind of, you know. like in a wrestling match no one bites like Gaston for there's yeah. no one as burly and brawny as you see I've got biceps to spare not a bit of him scraggly or scrawny and I remember like, on the screen he's sort of man spreading and, <laughs> and then he says and every last inch of me is covered in hair <laughs> and yeah. it just bursts open and there's the chest rub there it's so good it's I just so love it amazing. right at the very beginning when like you know LeFou is singing to him he just cracks him straight in the face yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? like, yeah brilliant but he, that little guy that, that we all know that guy do you know what I mean the one well, who hides behind the big guy oh, he yeah, just said this you know, yeah like, he's yeah, like sort yeah. of just always there or thereabouts never sort of more than a yard away but always in the shadow and behind but the the big guy just is kind of like she seems to be like consistently beat the crap out of him and he just, just keeps coming back for more. to like go for somebody else either do they that's yeah, their thing generally speaking but he does come across like a total buffoon like you 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 this is a guy that's presented to us all as the audience and we're like yeah he's a he's a total weapon which makes it all the more it sort of makes it all the more interesting when we get to that point where we see but when we get to sort of the castle and you are you kind of do have a very very different feeling towards the the character of the beast even though on screen they're kind of presented in quite a similar way with one yeah. key exception in the, in the did you, I don't know if you noticed this but it really hit me this time around that they it, they've given him the biggest bluest eyes going yeah. I don't know if it was always like that but I noticed that big time this time around He's uh, it, it is you because we haven't even spoken about the beast yet. Do you know what I mean? The fact he he turned he turned away, he turned away the beautiful enchantress. You know, he got his just desserts, didn't he? Yeah, um, I, d- I, d- I, I sort of um, uh, the, watching this time around, I was amazed at how much um, I probably would have never picked up on it as a kid because it, like the the kind of key core message would be. Well, it's got a really nice message, right? In that it's kind of beauty is not the external stuff. Beauty is, is there's so much more to it, and beauty's on the inside. And beauty can be displayed in so many different ways, not just someone being physically attractive. Um, but I'd never realised the other side of this that um, that that in. I remember as a kid watching this thinking that she was ultimately going to liberate this this guy that's sort of inside the beast. But I'd never seen the other side of this being society sort of like completely turning its back on on a character. And again, I think it's quite ahead of its time in, in, in that sense. So like the fact he's alone up in, in the castle by himself now. Yeah. And I mean, we get one that other, that, that song, Kill the Beast... And there's yeah. a couple of lines in that where it, it, they say we don't like what we don't understand, and in fact, it scares us. Well, it's about it's, a, it's all about the mob, isn't it? The, film, yeah. the that song, it's and, the pitchforks, it's the torches, it's the the outsider, and it's all the the classic old rhetoric that we hear kind of weaponized towards immigrants now you know they'll yeah. come for your children they'll you know change our way of life that type of thing 
you know? Yeah. I mean, in this one, they say, sacrifice our children to his monstrous appetite. It's... it's it's obviously some sort of allegory for 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 that for the ignorance of of the mob and how easily swayed they are you know yeah, because you've got this yeah. chief agitator who can make a compelling case because he's big and he can talk over other people and people are too scared to question him so everybody else would just think well I'm safer in numbers let's just go along with him and yeah and I mean, like you think about the amount of different things that we've seen over the last kind of five ten years just in 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 life in general you think of kind of like donald trump's rant about mexicans you know and it's Mm. it couldn't it's almost like someone put a piece of tracing paper over this song you know it's like they're criminals they're rapists you know it's like well this was this was made in 1991 and people are still using that kind of same rhetoric now yeah. You know, and it was it, it was just a, it was just amazing, like absolutely amazing. I, but I hadn't noticed that before, and I hadn't noticed that this this guy that was that was basically you're not like one of us, therefore you're an outcast, and you'll be kept isolated and alone and and away from everyone else. You know, it was it was really fascinating. I thought it is. Um, how did how did you feel about the? So when you think about the fact that the actual trade off, right? If we if we think about the beast and we think about like what he's potentially done wrong, right? He is we 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 spoke about Belle being this feminist icon, right? But one of the criticisms I've seen of it is that she they're only ultimately in a position to fall in love or whatever because he's literally imprisoned her. Like the 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 story, although it has many positive elements to it, and I don't think this is a fine wine or war crime section, to be honest it's the fact that the beast has captured her father and then taken her life in exchange for that. And then they've ended up sort of having this, like I say, this almost Stockholm syndrome type relationship out the back of it. I mean, is that, is that too cynical or do you think we do kind of (laughs) need to question what the beast has been up to there? Yeah, I do. Well, he didn't protest too much, did he? When she was like a switcheroo, he was pretty happy with it. But yeah. I couldn't... Wouldn't you okay. be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll exchange you the seven-year-old ball bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't... I, I, that was... Okay, so like, let's, let's get into this a little bit. This is a bit of the... This is where I kind of... Um, yeah, with these films, I've got... I have got blind spots, you know? Of course. I've got blind spots because I don't want to go into the fact that I don't want to get into the fact that I'm like, that's actually a bit dodgy. <laughs> that's yeah, a yeah. bit dodgy. Like this yeah. guy has just readily accepted a young woman to be held hostage in his castle and she can only come for dinner when he says that she can and she must do what he says and she can't go into... But then there are elements of it where she... He like, gave her a library, you know, yeah, come on. She'll, she'll read her bloody books, can't she? Yeah. Um, but, but he... <laughs> he, he, um, he Again... We see her sacrifice her own liberty to save a, a man, and we see a, a kind of classic sort of trope or a classic film angle that you would see over and over again of a man needing to somehow validate a woman. Yeah. And instead, in this, it's that 
through her affection, she can liberate him from his behaviors and she can liberate him from his kind of um, his kind of withered state. The, but, the power is also in her hands. She offers herself up. She's yeah, not captured. Exactly. She's not taken. She offers herself up. And I know that's kind of scant consolation, right? She's still yeah, ultimately exactly. And this is what I mean about the blind spot in that, like, I can see all these really great things from a feminist point of view. I can also see that <laughs> this is a, like a former human male who's turned into a horrible monster and has now locked her up in a castle <laughs> and she's crying herself to sleep. It's not great. <laughs> it's not, 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 not ideal. He's shouting at her and banging on the door and stuff, you know? Yeah. And then you've got a teacup telling him to say please to get her to come down. But that for me is the redeeming part of this. Like, I've got to remember that this is like it's a fairy tale, you know, that it's there's a lot of allegory and there's a lot of kind of, of metaphor in there, and there's a like a lot of you don't lose all of the good stuff because there are elements of Stockholm syndrome within this, you know, that like if she doesn't eat with me then she doesn't eat at all isn't it you know? isn't his voice so wonderful it's amazing like it, it is re- like this is one of the things that caught me out on this is that i'd forgotten how good the sound design was like considering just, that 90 percent of every single element of it is spectacular look let's just let's just chalk that off now mate every single element of this film is spectacular <laughs> Right. I won't hear anything else against it. It's just, it's just, but I, I didn't even, maybe because we we're onto this kind of anyway, I don't know whether there was anything more that there that I've just completely skirted over, but how good is Taylor's Oldest Time? Well, mate, I think what you have skirted over there, first of all, before we went to Taylor's Oldest Time, is Be Our Guest. Be Our Guest. Jesus. Come on. What an oath. Come on. What an oath. Come on. So, I mean, just amazing. Like, uh, that, but also the cat, like the characters as well. Sorry, I'm just getting so overexcited on this. Go on, talk me through. Be our guest. Well, it's the fact that she's she's sat there. You know, you don't really know what's coming, right? You've seen this horrible monster thing. She's thinking she's probably gonna get a slice of bread and a, you know, a, a drink of water, and then suddenly the flatware's entertaining. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> the, the colours, <laughs> the scope of it, the imagination. The, the, the thing is as well, that's always worth remembering that is, it's, it's true for live action films, right? Of course, but nature paints a great canvas a lot of the time. Yeah. What you have to remember is, and it is easy, it sounds stupid, it's so rudimental, but it's always worth remembering that with animation, every single pixel every single millimeter of every single frame has come from somebody's from a collection of people's but people's minds everything that's on screen is intentional the design is completely there and when you think about the scope of like be our guest in particular in terms of in that in the old school cell by cell animation hand-drawn hand-painted Never seen anything like that, right? I don't yeah. think you, you'll ever see anything like that no. again. No, be, I, I, actually, I'm going to look. I'm going to see if I can find how long. I, how I, long also, I watched a video where it was someone doing the animation, hand drawn animation, and it was literally, you know, um, you know, wow. like you get those office, you get those office style flip charts, and it was hundreds of sheets of A3 paper, and they're literally like lifting sheet after sheet to stencil over the top. And you're like, this is painstaking, you know? It's unbelievable. What was it? So what was the... What was the... It took, 
for that for that's for the br guest scene just that it took over two years two years to complete no six months of planning Six months of planning. Can you alone. imagine when it comes together? And this, do you know what, mate? This is a really interesting point, and and this is a really key thing. This is why those films are so special, because you couldn't cheat at the time. You know, you couldn't. There was no shortcuts. There wasn't just like a a snappy animation. You jump into the sound booth and just get it done. You know, that's the charm in 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 these films is that that. You can see they're a bit rough around the edges, but you can see how painstaking they've been and how much effort you had to go to. And it was at a time when effort mattered, you know, you, you, you could any little detail came from someone's imagination, as you said, and they came and it came with an excruciating amount of hard work and talent and depth going into the creativity, which is, is phenomenal. It, I don't know, man, it's it's. It's really. I mean, we are. We're going to talk about this more, aren't we? So we'll we'll save going into this conversation further. But it's it's almost like we we were talking. You you led us into Taylor's oldest time, the Beauty and the Beast, the the, the titular song, um, and you've got that element there of CGI, right? And I think it's one of the first examples of it ever on screen. Actually, mm. the the blend yeah. of. 2D and 3D animation. That doesn't really hold up nowadays. You know, I'm sure at the time it was really like, wow, this is amazing. Look at what they've done. To me, it it, it, it doesn't hold up. But oh, did it not? See, it no, totally it did for me. me. Really? Okay. So why didn't it hold up for you? Just because it looked clunky? Yeah, it just looks a bit clunky. And it, I think so much of the rest of the film, like we're saying, there be our guest is so like beautiful and lovingly kind of drawn and planned it suddenly felt a bit jarring to 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 fire into this sort of cgi sure. sequence but look you can give it a pass man can't you for the for the song for you're the allowed, song itself yeah right you're allowed one angela Although, lansbury ugh, unbelievable but that 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 for me was why it worked because it is such a special song i mean it is far and away for me kind of like one of the greatest Disney songs of all time. I mean, it's so iconic. But seeing the kind of like the way they were sort of turning around and that three-dimensional kind of swooshing of them moving, I I got, I got quite emotional watching it again. It really sort of, I, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I, But I totally get why, because it is so not in keeping with the rest of the film. It doesn't, it, it, it looks so dissimilar. But it, but it really, I don't know, I found it really moving, you know, and it kind of also did something for me knowing that that would have been at its time, there would have been people or young children sitting there, maybe in a cinema, maybe at home on a VHS, just watching that just completely wide eyed as well, yeah. which is what Disney's all about, right? That magic. Well, when you, I guess when you consider as well, this is, this must have been being made in the eighties, you know, the, the, the movie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's. It's pretty unbelievable, but like you say, that I mean that. Look, we, we we've got to have the conversation about it, mate. Like, where do the songs rank for you? Because this is it's it's really really tough. Like, it's really really tough. There, are, it is wall to wall bangers in this soundtrack. Like, well, okay, so let me get the soundtrack up because this is another one this week. I can't believe I haven't been listening to it actually because I watched the film over the weekend. Um. 
and it, had I watched it earlier on in the week, I think I probably would have had it on at some point in the car. Mm. Right. So we have got Bell, which is obviously a screamer, um, Beauty and the Beast, Gaston, Be Our Guest, um, uh, the, the Mob Song. And there's something there, you know. This, yeah. uh, I guess there's something there that wasn't there before. Da, 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 da. Okay, so I'm going to go with... I will say... Oh, God, this is tough. So definitely Be Our Guest is in there. Definitely Bell is in there. Definitely Taylor's Oldest Time. It's definitely Gaston... Oh, this is so tough. It's tough, man. This is really, really tough. I think number one, let's go from let's go from um let's go from number five. So I'll go for the mob songs number five. Um Kill the Beast, I think it's called. Then I'm going to so go... it's time to take some action, boys. It's time <laughs> to follow me. I warned you, mate. I warned oh, you. Oh, mate. I love... And I love that you know every single word. Okay, right. I've got... We, we might have to do a little bit of tightening up in post-production here because I've taken a long time to, to go with this, but I know my top five. I'm going to go with Kill the Beast at five, Gaston at four, <sighs> Be Our Guest at three, Bell at two, and Taylor's Oldest Time at number one. Blimey. Okay, tell me yours. Um, I would say it's number five, it's something there. That it would be for me. Number four, Beauty and the Beast. That low? Mm. Number three. Number three... (laughs) Be our guest. Okay. Number that's... two, number two, Bell. Number one, Gaston. I think. No just, way. <laughs> mate, the Gaston song for me. It's Are you just, for real? I, am, I love mate. it, man. I love, I love that. It. This, this is gonna. This I is probably our, our biggest like bone of contention. No, I said Gaston was number one. <laughs> that is brilliant. But I, but I do really. I love the, the disdain. The disdain in your voice, but like what? Yeah, you freaking kidding me? The, like Beauty of the Beast is for me. It's kind of like. In the in the kind of pantheon of Disney songs, I think it's so iconic. Like it's it, it's it up won an there. Oscar. Yeah, of course. Did it win two Oscars? This film. It did win two Oscars. It it won it for that and best I score. And it then... won it for the screenplay. Right. Okay. I think so. It was see. best best original song or whatever or, or something like that. See, like see. there is. I think there is a question here that I need to throw to you. And this is going to get us in a lot of trouble, but we're definitely going to have to put this out on social so other people can tell us that we're, we're right or wrong. What is the greatest no, Disney best song? Best original score, best original best score, original best score. original, and then best original song as well. Yes. Score and song. Yeah. So, but I mean, it is an amazing in. score. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So my question to you, what is the greatest Disney song of all time? <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. That's very tough, mate. 
it's there's a really unfair question to launch on someone at so little notice if i had to say the one it's probably the most moving circle of life oh i thought you might go for that i thought you might go for that i just think it's very big it's grand you know like it's huge isn't it and yeah. that's i mean that's Elton I John that as well, operatic shit you know like it just and at the end when it's when it's like boom, yeah. like such a good ending i am gonna go for um colors of the wind yeah, it's a banger, man. It's, just, it's unbelievable. You know when she sort of does the key change at the end? And mm. you'll never... I just oh, love it. Come unbelievable. on, come on, Ben. I've been, I've been singing all show. I, come I, on. I, 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 I'll, I'll save it for later on. We'll end, <laughs> end, on, end on Disney karaoke at this point. Um, but, but then okay. are you including like Randy Newman? You got a friend oh, in me. Oh, wow. Well, and also, in there's a really good one in the second Toy Story film called When Somebody Loved Me, Loved me by Sarah yeah. McLaughlin. Such a good song. This is one of the things that Disney gets right over and over again. Can you imagine people listening to this that have listened to us on football podcasts? Just being like, these two guys, man, been hiding this away, keeping this, <laughs> keeping this buried somewhere I for mean, the last I mean, 15 I mean, years. I, w- I would say, Ben, to be fair, we're probably not the biggest geezers going to be at the best <laughs> yeah, of times. Yeah. So a lot of people are probably like, I don't know what, we're not that surprised. I thought you two was down with a firm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turning up singing power ballads yeah. from yeah. Disney films. Yeah. Like, people are probably like, oh, it's, it's really sweet that they think we're surprised that they're actually like <laughs> yeah. no, two soft know lads who are really into Disney. <laughs> we you know, knew about like, literally knew yeah. this about you the entire time. Absolute yeah. couple yeah. of wallopers. Um, yeah. Right, what if we, look, what we haven't, we haven't covered so far so the score is amazing the songs are incredible we've done the cgi but um that we should talk about disney's kind of animation just as it is and and how special it is and what it kind of means to us because i'm i I don't know whether you are you similar to me mate in that these kind of films of the 90s just kind of provided the the backdrop basically to your your kind of cinema experience at that time to, to my cinema experience, to my home movie watching experience, yes. yeah, yeah. to so much of your life, they capture your imagination. And I still think that they do to this day. I have friends, this is all part of the conversation. We can just dive in, right? I have friends who have shown their kids The Lion King and like the oh, cartoon version and have shown them the CGI animated real life, true to life animals type version. There's no joy in those, man. Like, they're so soulless. Why do you think they they're lose so bland. It? Why do you think because they lose the, that joy? You, you can't have that same expressive, like, nature in the creatures, you know? Yes. In the, yeah, the yeah, way they yeah, yeah. move. The, you yeah. can't capture that same kind of zany, fast-paced, frantic, anything-you-want type approach as you get with animation. In, 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 in uh, uh, an animation that is free from the constraints of having to be true to life because let's forget that let's not forget most of these ones even though they're called live action they're not live action but they no. constrain no. themselves with real life so hence we call them live action right but they just look if we focus on the beauty and the beast version in particular to me like i just I, i've watched it and yeah, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a, uh, I absolutely adore the old animated one. But I went into this one quite excited. I thought oh, this would be quite cool to see it brought to life in this way. And it was just flat. 
it was just not it had no soul to it it had no heart it was just sort of plodding along in a way that they're, they're painting by numbers they're, they're making sure to get all the beats of the original story yeah whilst going off on sort of rather strange tangents we spoke about bell's mother at the start of it um there's a whole kind of strange time travel element to it that the beast had something the the mirror could also allow them to travel through time and space and all this type of thing and seeing her mother dying of the plague in france and it just felt so like what well, you, you didn't need all this like you say you know the the story in itself was it was loving it was showing the kind of like the loving relationship she had with her father the way he'd raised her and she'd become this sort of well-rounded good person you know and it just it uh, you know you know what's trying to be achieved from creating the live action films and it's more money but my less cynical side says you know that well maybe they are trying to sort of feel like you can introduce these movies to a newer generation that somehow young minds now are digital native they're used to ipads they're used to technology to cgi things need to look different that hurts my heart, but I, man. But I don't agree, man. I think it's just a woeful misreading of of their own... You know, they, they're undervaluing their own product at the end of the day. Because when, like you say, when you go to Disneyland, the characters that are painted on the walls that people are in costumes of, sure as shit aren't the live-action versions. That's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I don't, do we have to give, we don't have to give up on it, do we? I don't, I didn't enjoy, I, I haven't enjoyed a single live action version of any of the Disney films. I'm trying to, I haven't seen The Little Mermaid yet. No. Didn't, Aladdin didn't do it for me. Lion King, no, I've got halfway through this and I just, it just made me sad. It just took Jungle the joy Book out of it. Jungle Book is the closest one to it where I thought, okay, this was all right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But even that, you know, you lost the whole kind of the song with King Louis, really, and everything like that. Like, it was just so... You can actually watch... I saw some people, like, laying into that song on Twitter, just being like, look how fucking scary and dark and weird this looks in this live-action version compared to the old version, you know? Yeah. Yeah, with it Blue didn't... Bear it, and everything, you know? It's, man, it didn't... This This one as well, it didn't... The reason why this works is because it it's so based in fantasy, you know. Even even the imagery of the castle, you know, it doesn't look like a castle. Like all of the the towers and the turrets coming off of it look like they're that they shouldn't be able to stand up. You know, it's not real. Like it's it's meant to be total fantasy and it's meant to be escapism. And I don't want to be tethered to real life. You know, mm. I don't when I'm watching something like this, that's that's this pure and this kind of satisfying for a very kind of childlike, innocent version of you. You don't need to be reminded that it's that it could be real life. And I don't think it's meant to be like that. You know, I even I've actually I even far prefer things like Tangled. I don't know if you've seen that. Like yeah, yeah. this kind of new style animation or Frozen. It's, 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 it, an, animation coming on a level without having to veer into real life. And I, I get that there's I, money I, to I be made. I what was but... spectacular, mate. Spectacular for that was the new Puss in Boots film. 
Yeah, I mean, brilliant. Well, the um, what was the name of what was the name of the the newest one? Which is like, is it, was it his final life, basically, or something like that? It, essentially, yeah. And it's kind of you know, it deals with a lot of themes of you know mortality, of anxiety. Um, I can't, I can't remember the name of the latest one, honestly. But the the visually, the last wish. Yeah, visually spectacular, beautiful, and again because it felt somewhere between. C- 3D CGI, and then there were there was a kind of overlaid 2D style element to it, where they were trying to create this classic hand drawn effect. And I I love to see that man because if you indulge me as like one of these boring ball bags for for a moment, <laughs> because but but I'm not I'm not kind of harking back to a time that's ever been in in my lifetime when I say this. But you know when you walk around like. Any old town, any the you know the the old parts of central London, anywhere like that, and you see the artistry and the craft that went into buildings. You know when you, you look around yeah. at the buildings, the gargoyles, the you know the the sconces, all that type of stuff, all this the unique kind of woodwork and everything that's that's all put into that. The, when somebody was like had a profession, when they had a job, and they were given the time and the space to just do that job because that's what they were there to do. And ever since we've kind of lost that as a society where everything has become about the bottom line, has become about you earning money and reinvesting that money back, paying your tax, paying your VAT, buy, 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 everything, right? Everything has become about this giant rat race. Get it done as quickly as you can, produce it, get it out to as many people as you can, right? The fact that we're losing this kind of artistry in so much that the that we see right now the creative industries the arts everybody on an individual level and on a systemic level are attacked constantly you know there's so many cuts to it it's not valued at all we're losing this type of thing and you know disney we've kind of joked about it they are this now this huge mass capitalist organization right and Mm. we can close our eyes to it and that's fine because that's the world that that we live in i'm not here to kind of beat the kind of the the tanky drama or anything like that yeah Yeah. of course yeah but it's still it does it makes me sad when i see that really how the bottom line continues to invade every single facet of our of our very existence to the point where they even want to have our brains <laughs> uploaded yeah. into a cloud somewhere, right? Yeah. It, it, and it's, I've gone on a real tangent here, but in short, like when there are certain Studio Leica, for example, Studio Leica are still keeping alive the art of stop frame animation, right? Um, we've just had Pinocchio most recently. It's been a stop frame frame animation. Like I think things like animation, the artistry and the craft that goes into these things, they should be preserved, and this should be something that we we all have an almost obligation to to support and to just enjoy and really revel in and really truly kind of. I'm not saying there's no. I'm, for, I'm not for a second saying there's no artistry or anything to CGI. There is right. It's just it's different. It, it, I don't know. It just. Yeah, but it's not it, like it's not. Uh, Pixar are a prime example of how you can be artists with CGI, right? Yeah. So I'm undoing my own point somewhat, but. But different doesn't mean better. That's the thing. 
Like that's that's what gets me is that you you sort of okay well let's make this kind of appropriate for for modern day but why is that there's less purity to it it doesn't feel as authentic it doesn't feel as real it doesn't feel kind of it doesn't feel it doesn't nourish a part of you that those films do I'd be really interested to know I don't know you know you're saying how your mates have showed their kids those films I'd be interested to know whether kids still have that sense of wonderment that we would have done watching mm. them or whether they don't have that because it's like well this is like I'm used to watching what I don't even know what the kind of kids kids thing is anymore like that they would watch on TV there's like a thing with trains isn't there that they love um, but like, I, I, I can't imagine that young kids wouldn't have the same reaction that we would have had as children watching this stuff. Yeah. It's so, the stories are so like heartwarming, you know, and they, it still does all the same things for me watching it again as a 33 year old that it did for me watching as a kind of, as a little kid who was watching it for the first time and that obviously a lot of that could be nostalgia but i i don't think that everything needs i guess what i'm trying to say is not everything needs to be ramped up and souped up in 2023 style you know it's okay to leave some things as they are and just appreciate them for for what they were at the time you know you don't not everything needs to have this like you know like you're saying if you look at architecture and stuff the, the if you go and walk around london and you walk around the parts of london that are the, the kind of oldest and you look at the architecture it and then go and walk around an area of london that's a new build area and go and look go at around Vauxhall, how, where the american yeah, embassy is right how everything looks just exactly the same with all the it's, new it's builds fucking dystopian mate it's dystopian it's, it's you know? it doesn't do anything for you but then go and have a wander around in the kind of like the heart of old school London, you know, and look at all of the old school building, the old school architecture. Like it moves you, you know, it moves you in a way that that none of the new stuff can. And and that's I don't think it's impossible to create content now and to create films now that could be telling modern stories with modern themes that are more probably appropriate in terms of like what we want young people to be seeing while still also capturing some of that magic that made Disney films so special back in the day. I don't think we needed to touch Aladdin. I don't think we needed to touch Beauty and the Beast, you know, they were perfectly fine as they were. Move forward and make things make things for now that still have the make magic new of, stories yeah right? exactly like, they still have the magic of 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 years gone by but with and draw some stories of them <laughs> draw yeah. and paint some of them get you know? your Come bloody on. pencils out you that's neat. it but stop what, it mickey yeah. you know i mean put your computer down right <laughs> impassioned plea for uh, for two gammon ball bags to get their animations back <laughs> just, just write a letter dear mickey mouse dear uh, mr disney <laughs> please dear the frozen head of walt disney somewhere in a cryogenic chamber oh god he is isn't he yeah Oh, I mean, I don't, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? There is probably plans somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's best not to touch it with AI and all of this bollocks. Um, no, right, should we do MVPs? This is a tough one because this one of the things with this, right, is that it, it didn't... 
I imagine this was bef- this was pre Disney being like, oh my god, you need to get your voice on a Disney film. No, they did it with with musical theatre people. This is the thing, yeah. right? This is another one of the big problems, right? If I'm going to rant about the new Beauty and the Beast, you've got um, Emma Watson there who can't sing. She's auto tuned throughout most of the oh, movie. Oh, that's horrendous as well. Who's, it's who's, really bad. But she's put in there because she was in the Harry Potter franchise. She's hugely popular, and they want to make this really popular. But it's so gutless. Like you say, these old films, they had these stalwarts. Like, okay, we t- is Frozen Disney? Yes, you've got Menzel, who's, you got Menzel yeah. who's in Disney, and she was like a musical theatre stalwart. She was still like one of the most famous ones in existence. But still, other than that now, like you say, it's just, a, it's just a, an array of Hollywood stars who... You know, like I tell you, what's a funny one? Like La La Land, the film La La Land, which I kind of I watched and fairly enjoyed. Um, one of my I've spoken about her before. One of my my friends' exes, who was a professional dancer, she was she could not watch La La Land, and we kind of got round to it. It's kind of you know when you watch a movie, right, Ben? And there's a Hollywood actor who is supposed to be a football player, a soccer player in there, and they are supposed to be like the best player in the world yeah. and you see them playing and you're like he he can't play football he doesn't can know i give you an ball. example the film go, goal go. yeah right or the film wimbledon with paul bettany <laughs> trying to yeah. hit a tennis ball he just looks like yeah. the most unnatural yeah. thing ever and so to the like they're looking at something like la la land they've been like why have you cast like two hollywood stars that clearly can't dance because somebody anybody who's interested in dance is watching this thinking well this is just not good like and uh <laughs> this is really not good yeah and i just i feel that so yeah i mean the the cast of being a beast unbelievable if i if i did have one standout mvp mate it's, it's lumia <laughs> like lumia is phenomenal, i'm gonna man. do him the the fucking courtesy of finding out the actor's name uh, i've got jerry Orbach. is that right yeah well that may well be yeah I'll, uh, I'll wait that, i recognize this guy i reckon like what have i seen you in Dirty Dancing he was in and in Universal Soldier. I mean, that's pretty cool. Pedro Hara's brilliant there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then Angela Lansbury tells all his time. I mean, she's got such a lovely voice. Such a, also, we'll give a, give a shout to Gaston, who is, is magnificent. Richard White, just killing it. Just so like to have that good a voice. You know, and it, and still be that kind of like perfectly cheesy when delivering some of those lines. I, I you must have been corpsing all the way through. You know, hearing some yeah. of that stuff out loud. Uh, can Did, I actually? Can I? Can I? Can I break the mold somewhat on my MVPs, mate? Yeah, I'm, of I'm course. Give, I'd, I'd quite like to give the MVP. Share it between, as I said already, Linda Wolverton, who wrote the screenplay, and Alan Menken, who wrote the music, because that to me is the pure essence of this of this movie and listen the gammons won't like the fact that you're sharing a a a singular award but i'll I'll go with it yeah we're swapping shirts after a after (laughs) a north london derby we're shaking hands in the tunnel before the game's kicked off little kiss on the cheek foaming there's there's dads punching tvs all over the country now (laughs) foaming at the mouth (laughs) (laughs) raging no man i love that shout that's such a good shout okay you can have first dibs then on the on the the fine wine of war crime how's it aged for you mate i think it's it's the finest of fine wines right the 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 live action film they wanted to address kind of bell's place in this that 
you know, they, they, they felt it wasn't progressive enough. So she is in also an aspiring inventor in the film. And I just, again, I, to me, yeah, okay, I get it, right? I'm, I'm a guy, so maybe I have a different perspective to other people. From, but from where I'm sitting, right, it felt like the original core story of Beauty and the Beast and the character of Belle was to tell young people, don't be swayed by the crowd, live your own truth, and just be brave and know what feels right to you. And don't judge things on face value. Right. And Bell embodied so many of those values that I think was revolutionary at that time. Her goal wasn't to just, you know, find the dashing prince and fall in love, even though that does happen at the end. But is that a bad thing? People fall in love, don't they? <laughs> like, you know, like she I, hasn't I don't got think... a clue what he looks like. Yeah. Do you know, her, I mean, she her... hasn't got a clue what he's until the very, very end. She hasn't got a clue what she's what, what what's no. underneath. No, and I mean, look, this 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 film as well. Just just to really just to really hammer home the point of like how significant this film was, and how outstanding it is, and how historic it is. It's the first animation film ever to be nominated for the best picture at the Oscars. Didn't win it, but not just best animation. It was nominated for best picture. And it's the first time that had ever happened for an animation because it was it was brilliant and. Yeah, I think it. I think it holds up to this day. I don't think there's anything in there that you would you would show kids now, and they would be, you know, you you'd be corrupting them in any way or not preparing them for life in in 2023, right? I don't know. Yeah, Maybe and I think there is there's a there's a there's a temptation that, like I said at the beginning, there's a temptation to I think with Disney films. I think there's a temptation now to sort of be overly sensitive to these films that came out at that time and try and attach things onto them, you know, to try and make them a, a, a version of them that perhaps maybe we don't don't need to. I think with this film, like you said, at, at its heart, there's a really pure message of don't judge a book by its cover. Beauty is so much more than just appearance and actually that you your kind of acts of kindness could be the thing that saves someone else which is a really lovely sentiment it's a really lovely message at the heart of the at the heart of the film and it also puts the boot in on the traditional stereotypes of what yeah. Alpha males have to be, and what women like are expected of. I mean, we spoke about it a lot earlier on, but what women are expected to be. Sorry, we spoke about it earlier on in terms of that the song of like, well, look, she's weird because she's reading books, you know. And th this film actively propelled forward and and elevated a character that knew what she wanted that wasn't prepared to just accept a small existence in a small town, in a quiet village. She was going to go out there and be what she wanted to be. And also in, in the process of doing so was going to liberate someone else as well and, and mm. bring about the, the kind of best possible things for other people. So for me, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not going to, it's a fine wine and it made me feel so good and happy and, reassured watching it that i like it was a joy to to put it back on this week i loved it mate yeah uh, it's oh thanks for choosing it mate 
No, I'm really like I'm b- delighted we did a Disney film. You know, I'm so glad because yeah. if you think about some of the films we've done so far, I mean, we have gone all over the place. I think we did Eight Mile last week, and we've done Pulp Fiction, and now we've done Beauty and the Beast. I mean, it's it's we're really we're getting eclectic, which I like. You know what though, mate? Like my, uh, I'm I'm I'm. I still, I still haven't narrowed down exactly what I wanted to be Shall next I buy week, you mate. Some and now time? the moment has come, and I'm Shall like, "Shall I buy you oh some time? Shall God. I do the ratings for the first time ever? I'll do the ratings. Yes, please do. You, yeah, go on. You do, while you sort of have a think about, it, I'll give you sort of, like, I'll buy you so, kind of sixty seconds. I'll, I'll let you know. So I am this week for the first time ever going to Glastonbury. This is your um, first time ever. They're so exciting, mate. Yeah, first time ever going to Glastonbury. So I'm having to think of something that, being brutally honest with you, when I get back on a Sunday, on the on the Monday... Okay, it can't be too intense. Can't be too intense, has to be quite light. I'm probably going to be quite delicate. Um, all that walking around, you know. Um, Lots of walking. So, yeah, so I'm probably going to be quite delicate. So I'm trying to... And also I'm sort of thinking, you have to slowly... You can't go from Beauty and the Beast to Bride of Chucky, right? You know, that's a great like you point. have to kind of sort of. What's going to be your approach to Glastonbury? Like, how? Like, do you have a strategy in terms of how you're going to take it? Okay, so from all the sort of research I've done going into this, right, it's been pick a handful of acts. So the number okay. one thing I've been told is don't think of it as a music festival. It's not. It's the music is a big part of it, but there's so much more there, right? And it's huge. I've actually seen a map of the campsite, not the campsite, the whole festival site laid over central London. And it's like, you know, from the top of Soho down to, you know, underneath Waterloo Station kind of thing. Like, Christ. It, and yeah, it, it's miles and miles and miles. Um, so what I've, been, what I've been told is what we're doing is like choosing several acts that are set in stone that we're going to see. And then around those acts, have a loose idea of other acts that we want to see and areas of the festival that we want to go to. But we're going there on the Wednesday. We're going to try and kind of get everything set up and on that first day, just wander and just kind of see what's what. Soak it up. Soak up the vibe a bit. Probably more of the same on the Thursday. And then on the Friday... Probably get absolutely smashed. <laughs> so, who are you going to see then? I would, I'd like a review, ideally next week. Who, 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 who we have heard that you've been to to get stuck in with? Well, okay. So, some of the set in stone ones, Arctic Monkeys, definitely up there. I um, may, I, a friend of the pod, Rob Daly, went to go and see them the other day, did it? and that no. was very, very exciting for me Good seeing because they played yeah. Mardi Bum like proper old school Mardi Bum. Yeah style like I did it just looks fantastic so that's quite amazing. interesting so I've seen them twice already I've seen them sort of their points down the years I've seen them around the time of their first album and then I've seen them just after AM launched in Finsbury right. Park so it was two very different vibes on the gigs um, I wonder what it'd be like this time around yeah it, it, so but they're they're high up on the list I'm not even the biggest fan of the whole cock rock thing but I'm gonna see Guns and Roses because nice you sort of it kind of feels like one of those event things you're going to do right yeah um the missus is definitely driving this but i'm i'm along for it she very much wants to see lizzo so we're going to go okay. to check out lizzo one of the most brutal oh, texas is one i really want to see texas oh. war on dr- war on drugs 
Fred again. Fred again is a massive one I want to see. We're sort of vetoing royal blood to go and see uh, see war on drug uh, to see Fred again. Um, one one of the the most brutal ones, mate, is on the last day. Is Elton John in his supposedly last ever gig, or Queens of the Stone Age? And I've never seen Queens of the Stone Age, and I'm a, a massive, massive fan of theirs. If it's Elton, and if that's, I've, I've seen Elton twice. I've seen oh, him twice you? already. Well, there you go. Yeah. You're right. I've, I've never seen him seen headline him Bestival as well. Um, wow. That was probably about ten years ago. So before. Oh, mate, he, you're gonna have such a good yeah. time. This so I think be I'm unreal. gonna see Queens of the Stone Age, but it's one of those ones that. Me and Charlotte have said, like, we're going to play it by ear on the Sunday because we might just be like, I just want to see Elton. You know, it might yeah. just be that. If so. You might just be like, let's go and sit somewhere and listen to Rocket Man and just yeah, sort of right. like, just enjoy the afternoon. Listen, let me give you the, let me give you the scores on the doors. I'm DB, eight out of 10. So a very strong showing. Rotten Tomatoes. Good. That's big. Well, that must be top 250. That's up there. Yeah. The, um, Rotten Tomatoes, 93%. Oh, and 92% audience yeah. score. I mean, this is Did this it get is the certified fresh? Yes. Did it get the badge? And yeah. this, is, this is now flat out, like, we're ri- like it's got Metacritic must-see, 95% on Metacritic, yes. and then 8.4 user score. This is peak, isn't it? This is that's like the best we've done there. so far, right? It might be, actually. I might do a bit of a deep dive through. Um, and then finally, the BYOB rating. Are you giving this uh, the full five? I'm, I'm, I'm giving this a hundred out of five, mate. A hundred popcorns like, out of five. Hundred popcorns out of five. Like, I would go and see this again at a cinema. I would go and see this again oh, at a cinema. I'm there. A little rewatch somewhere. Mate, I'm there. You and I can curl up with with some popcorn. With, with a blanket in. and some popcorn. Okay, let's bring the lights down. Not for us getting curled up together, <laughs> but but for for next week. What are we going to watch, mate? Okay, like I said, I'm going to be in a delicate place. I'm going to be in Glastonbury all week. I feel kind of like I've been I've been tossing up a few different films. There's been a few that have been kind of grabbing my attention the past few years. There's some that I'm like, mm, is it a bit too similar to what we've done before? Has this got too many themes to certain things we've done before? And I feel like for this next one, we've actually discussed it on the podcast in one of our intros we've actually spoken around the subject before but we haven't actually done any of these movies or this type of movie um it is in my mind a modern day classic it helped really reboot the current i guess flock of superhero movies so i'm gonna go with sam Raimi's spider-man Oh, yes, please. Get in. Get in. That is a hell of a shout. I'm so, like... You see um, what I'm doing? We haven't done a superhero movie yet. We've done Beauty and the Beast. I thought, come on, big blockbusters. Get a bit of action going into this. And it's... it's Something I'm a scientist myself. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Willem Dafoe in this is is elite. He's so good. And Tobey Maguire, perfectly sort of gawpy, like, neaky, nerdy Peter Parker. And, James Franco the jock. Yeah, and, and this, one of my favourite ever transformation scenes as well. Yeah. Him, him just waking up and being that shredded and you're like, 
That's pretty it's sick. It's so cool. Yeah. It's like big. Remember big Tom yeah, Hanks swing? Which, exactly. which we're probably going to do. We'll but, have to do know, that at some, at some point. point. That's another one on the list. Oh, mate, what a pick. I'm d- yeah, that I'm is going to be, like when you get back, that's going to be like, let's sling on Spider-Man. You know, yeah, be, right. that, that's perfect. No that's pun perfect. intended, Aben. No pun intended. I'll see what you did there. I'll see what you did there, mate. You're not getting that one past me, lad. You're not getting that one past me. If you can manage that after a week of festival, I'll be very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) James Franco, the jock, yeah, sure. (laughs) I hope you have enjoyed seeing this side to Ben and I. um, Yeah. Everybody at home. And if you have done, Get in touch with us. Don't call us like awful, horrible yeah. names. You can find Jack than that. at Soppy Bollocks yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Be better than that, right? Give us your thoughts. Give us your feelings. Revisit a few Disney classics, right? Go look at some old buildings. And also follow us on all of our social channels that you'll see on the bottom. What have we got? We've got TikTok. What else have we got? T- uh, Instagram, get involved at BYOB pod. And it's the same handle on everything now, which is really, really good. So grab us on Twitter, Instagram. Obviously, subscribe if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel. Because what we do like is we tend to sort of, yeah, like, 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 like as well. And chuck some comments. We'll read out some comments next week. Mm-hmm. But um, get stuck in because we put up some of the, the video clips as well for you guys to kind of see us in full flight. I promise you it's, it's not a handsome viewing at the moment because it's very hot in London and we're both probably very clammy. But beetroots, y- yeah. <laughs> yeah, but usually it's great fun. Um, so make sure you do get involved. And thanks so much for listening. It's, it's every week a few more people join us, which is really, really nice. Yeah. Every week a few more people come along for the ride, and we get a few more comments, and we get like some lovely feedback via WhatsApp as well. So like, keep it coming, and uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. <laughs>